0: Benjamin Franklin once said that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This rings true even today. I'm Justin McDonald, COO, Blue Line Pressure Washing, LLC, here based in Martinsburg, West Virginia.
1: Hey, this is Eddie Crispin, CEO of Blue Line Pressure Washing. Stay tuned in for this one because we're going to be discussing equipment maintenance, the lifeblood of your business.
0: This is going to be an operator's episode. Uh, Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with you. Another episode of The Wash. Hey, welcome back here to the Wash. Uh, we're excited to get this year um, year rolling. We're getting closer and closer, ever closer to to wash season. But you know what I'm most excited for? What's that? We got one more stupid football game left, and it's uh, I was hoping and it's NASCAR and it's NASCAR season.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the big game is is uh, tomorrow. We're we're recording uh, two episodes tonight. We've got uh, the episode uh, on SEO. And uh, we're going to go into repair and maintenance. Uh, in this episode, it's, you know, obviously Saturday the 11th and tomorrow's Super Bowl Sunday, which I will not be participating yeah, I, in. I could
0: care less, but.
1: Uh, but uh, then we have the NASCAR Super Bowl next Sunday. Daytona, the Daytona 500.
0: 500. I'm excited. I was, I really enjoyed the Clash. Except other 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 than the fact that it
1: took an hour to run 10 (laughs) laps at the beginning of the second segment.
0: Oh, wasn't that frustrating? We couldn't get half a lap around that stupid little track without spinning out. It was like, holy, come on, you all.
1: Tori was edging into her bedtime. Like, she was there watching the Clash with me, and we were expecting, you know, the Clash to be over with before she had to go to bed because of school time, but course they wound up having an unexpected day off on monday so the only reason Tori was able to finish watching or watching the clash with me is because there was no school, There's on no monday, school. because that second segment it literally took an hour i was like how are we running 75
0: laps? laps and it's taking two hours to get through this
1: <laughs> and it's 13 second laps yeah I mean,
0: but it was fun i enjoyed it oh my um, goodness i i don't you know, I'm I'm not into to rap or hip hop or anything like that, so I really could have cared less about the performances. But, um, oh, but the
1: Ricky Stenhouse gave you a performance. Well, <laughs> gave you a performance.
0: I enjoyed it. I I think, uh, man, this NASCAR this this NASCAR season, I think it's gonna be fun. Um, last season was uh, last season was was completely unpredictable because all the new stuff they're making yeah. some tweaks and some rule changes. So,
1: well, and there's there's even more new stuff on the car. You know, they they've tweaked the car since last year. Um I so far I'm not impressed by the uh fire fix no. on, on the yeah. exhaust systems no. because uh was it Yeah uh, what Ty Gibbs caught on fire during in practice.
0: practice. <laughs> yeah, they didn't fix that very well, but but did you see just uh since we're on the NASCAR topic, did you see what going ticket sales for the Chicago Fourth of July race? The Chicago race, yeah.
1: which so, Justin and I listened to a podcast called uh, Door Bumper Clear. If you're a NASCAR fan, if you never listened to Door Bumper Clear, you need to when wait until this podcast episode's over. Don't yeah. <laughs> don't leave us to go to them. Uh, and then you need to check out Door Bumper Clear. So, yeah, I I did hear um, Brett Griffin, I believe, brought up what the price of the tickets yeah, was. Yeah, I,
0: I looked it up just to confirm what he was saying. Yeah. And probably at the time, he was probably correct at the time they recorded I looked it up on Ticketmaster uh, yesterday just to look and see. You can't get in a door for less than $250. Yeah, that's... A, t- a ticket. And to see... You're only seeing... It's a street race. So, if you guys know anything about racing and street race, you're getting to see a uh, maybe a 60-meter stretch of racing yeah. for $250 you're, you're $2 see, a ticket in a downtown career. Chicago.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how this works out because... NASCAR is a multi-billion dollar corporation, uh, and a company. So they've got some big wigs out there that their job is marketing. And, you know, Brett on DVC made the comment that our average fan is from rural America. We're not in yep. Chicago and we're certainly not paying $250 to go see nope. 60 meters worth of, of the race. Um, so I, I, I think it's kind of cool for the street race. I do think that that's. I cool. think for TV, but
0: I think for TV, it's going to be a fun oh, race, it'll
1: be outstanding for, to watch on TV. But, but I
0: think as far as a fan experience, it's going to be horrible. Yeah, so, yeah, you, but we'll we'll see. I, it's that's in July, so
1: I have a sneaking suspicion, and and don't get me wrong, I love Brett, I love DBC, but they're not business personalities either. So sometimes they don't think of the bigger picture of yeah. marketing. I don't necessarily think that the Chicago race is designed. It's designed to give the general NASCAR fan, uh, the average fan, a good race on TV. Yeah. But I think I have a sneaking suspicion. This is designed to try to draw some of that city crowd to see it's, NASCAR.
0: It's very possible. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan of it being in Chicago. Um, yeah. I mean, I uh, I'm big, you know, I'm big into crime statistics and, and, uh, in 2020, you were safer in Afghanistan, yes, than you are in downtown Chicago. Um, so I'm not a fan of it being in Chicago, but I'm willing to give it a chance. It's, NASCAR's trying That's, something different, so they're, they're trying you know, something I, different every year. They've you know, we were we were skeptical and... about the dirt race, and it turned out to be a fun race last year. Yeah. So yeah, we'll give it a chance.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with it.
0: But anyways, we'll, we'll get off the NASCAR, we'll get off the NASCAR kick and uh, get into some some news. I got two good ones for you. Uh, last week. This one's out of Iowa. Pretend that you are uh working at a funeral home. All right.
1: I'd rather not, but okay.
0: <laughs> you're at Browns. All right. You're all hanging right. out you're hanging out at Brown's funeral home.
1: Am I the am I the unlucky guy at Brown's who every time we see him off duty means we're gonna have to see him on duty? But
0: I'm um, yeah, that, that you, you wanna talk about a depressing job. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, I'm telling you. No one's happy when you show up and no, <laughs> no. one wants to see you <laughs> talk about a depressing job. Anyways, you're at a funeral home. You in process the the, the the incoming, right? Okay. Next thing you know, you start hearing breathing coming from one of the incomings. I'm out. Well, that's exactly what happened here in Iowa, is uh this Iowa nursing home, I don't want to put this nursing home on blast, or so not gonna say the name, but this nursing home uh in Iowa had an investigation launched into him because the eighty two year old woman that they pronounced dead only for her to be fully functional and breathing three hours later when they took her to the.
1: I'll bet that poor guy. <laughs> I hope it wasn't at night. Like I hope this wasn't like a two o'clock in the morning. I, oh, I apologize.
0: I apologize. This is New York. This is Long Island. This wasn't Iowa. So uh, this is New York.
1: I don't know how you got that confused because that's like two inches. Uh, I was of the reading. I was, I was. I was <laughs> reading a
0: different article, but I, I apologize. It was. It was. It was. Uh, uh New York.
1: I, to quote one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite TV shows, The Dukes of Hazard. I'd be fixing to make me a new door. <laughs> <laughs> like that old Ray
0: Stevens video, sitting up with the dead.
1: <laughs> Gone. Yeah. You ain't going to find me, Jack. Uh,
0: I think I'd retire. <laughs> they took her to the hospital, and uh, there's no update on her condition.
1: Well, I hope she's all right.
0: Yeah. So. Poor
1: woman's been through. Okay, so take this the other direction now. Oh, could you imagine? If, you know you know that guy working at funeral home probably had about an aneurysm but imagine being the old lady and you wake up and realize you're sitting in a funeral home
0: in a body bag <laughs> In <a> bag. <laughs> like, what at least they hadn't buried her yet
1: <laughs> oh my goodness that'd be worse oh my goodness but yeah wow.
0: so um i hope that you know i hope the ladies i hope the ladies good i hope the family's all right now i i think the uh the nursing home's might oh, get they're, they're they a might get her talking to. Some, <laughs> of course, whoever, I don't know who named her dead. It might be the coroner getting her talking I to. Say,
1: whoever, whoever made that pronunciation of uh, time of death is not going to be having a very good couple of weeks. Yeah, they're
0: going to have, a, they're, they're gonna have a, a discussion with somebody. All right, But then now, now we're down in Georgia. Are you sure we're in Georgia? I am positive. This is Georgia. Okay. All right. This was uh, today, February 11th is suspecting of having been under the influence of narcotics while he's driving, right? Okay. You know what he was driving?
1: Tell me it's a lawnmower. Tell me it's a lawnmower. No,
0: I wish. Lawnmower Steve. Um, (laughs) No, ambulance. What? Ambulance. (laughs) He apparently... Did he steal it? Apparently. Apparently he was on on scene (sighs) with another individual who medics were treating. They didn't lock the ambulance and... He went out the back door and stole the ambulance.
1: All right. So, Tori, if you're listening, since you want to be a medic, lock the doors. Take the keys out of switch something. Don't let him steal the ambulance.
0: Oh, it's we're not over yet. Oh, no. So, you know what he was wearing in the ambulance?
1: Oh, no. He was wearing nothing in the ambulance. Uh, that, that makes it worse because once <laughs> you get it stopped, somebody's got to fight him. Because you know if he stole the ambulance, he's not going to go peacefully. And nobody wants to fight the naked guy.
0: Residents noticed the ambulance moving aggressively without its <laughs> headlights on. Or in Macon, uh, Bibb County, Georgia. All right. The deputies... Attempt- so wait, wait,
1: wait, wait a minute. The deputies found out about this because residents reported it. Not because huh. the EMTs got on the radio and said, Hey, Central, somebody just stole our um, wagon.
0: I'm just reading what the article says. Wow. <laughs> so, So deputies went to make a traffic stop. It didn't, it didn't work. He took off in the ambulance.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: He went into a parking lot. He was doing burnouts in the parking (laughs) lot with the ambulance. Um, Well, I
1: mean, he's got to go to jail. Might as well have a little fun, I guess.
0: um, He eventually ditched the ambulance and, and attempted to flee on foot. Uh, Deputies caught up to him.
1: That's not going to stand out. Hey, there's a naked guy running through my backyard.
0: I'll give you over under. What's the over under? He had a good license
1: uh negative <laughs>
0: that is correct, <laughs> that I've, is correct. i
1: i've never understood that you know of the pursuits that i've been involved in 90% of the time the people are running because they don't have a driver's license
0: uh, it's it's literally a ticket
1: and, and that's all it is it's a ticket and <laughs> we're going to call somebody else it's take it's a ticket vehicle.
0: and get your car towed or or yeah somebody go take it call it, phone, um,
1: phone a friend who wants to be a millionaire phone he did
0: have he did have active warrants, though so who knows what they were for?
1: I've had people jump out of the back of an ambulance, you know, pretend to be unconscious because they know they have warrants for them, and then they get in the ambulance and starts going down the road. They think we're too stupid not to follow the ambulance. Yep. And and, and the back door flings open while it's moving. I've had that happen before. Yeah.
0: Any EMTs out there or aspiring EMTs, uh, lock the ambulance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Take safety precautions because they, they will steal it.
0: There's nothing more embarrassing than having. I think the only thing I, that would be more embarrassing is getting your fire trucks I, I though.
1: Won't, I won't throw his name out there because he's a great guy, but West Virginia State Police for years didn't have cages in their cars. so and what I mean by that, I'm not talking about we have like a dog kennel in the back where we lock the prisoners, but there's, you know the cage that separates the driver and the: yeah, it's a barrier. the front passenger from the prisoner. For years, West Virginia State Police didn't have that. I don't. I don't know why, uh, but its its main function is to protect the driver of the car from the prisoner. So I remember being at the academy, which is down in Charleston. It's about a five and a half hour drive from where you know Justin and I live, and I'm on my way home one weekend, and I stop in Weston, which is like about halfway. Halfway. And somebody comes up to me, because I'm I'm in a marked Martinsburg City police car, somebody comes up to me and asks me about that trooper who got his car stolen. I'm like, I I know nothing. Well now I'm curious and I have to find out. So I call one of the guys at the police department I'm like, hey, what happened when this trooper got his car stolen? So what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> he had arrested this individual, put him in the back of the car, somebody was asking the officer something, and, and troopers generally are, are out there on an island by themselves, especially back then. Yeah, All the departments were short-staffed. It, you know, I was in the academy in 2000, uh, 2006, so we were all short-staffed. There's only like one or two troopers working the midnight shift, and this was during the midnight shift. And so somebody had stopped him to ask him a question. The next thing he knows, there goes his car, because this prisoner had some major flexibility and was able to get the cuffs uh for out from behind her and in front of her and then climbed up in the driver's seat and down the road she went. That's
0: one lonely call to dispatch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely miserable. <laughs> uh, so the sheriff's department, state police wound up having to pursue their own car.
0: You know, and you know, what's worse than making that call? Sat there on the side so, of the road, waiting road, for one you, of your buddies to come. Because
1: you, you, you can't go nowhere. I know what are you going to do, flag down a civilian? Hey, can you give me a ride?
0: I know it was embarrassing enough having uh, another officer come pick you up because your car broke down. Yes. Could you imagine that that long wait for somebody to come Well, come pick you up because your car got stolen?
1: And and you already know this from, from being one, but you know that it took a long time for him not to take a beating over that.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah he, he took a beat for a while. But yeah, that's pretty funny. So, yeah, so so lock your lock your emergency response vehicles, please, because <laughs> you don't want us laugh. You don't want you know, it's not funny, but it is funny.
1: It's one of those things. If you don't laugh about it later, you'll just sit down and cry. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I guarantee. <laughs> you he, I guarantee you, he probably contemplated how bad he needed that job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without without a doubt. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. The only other thing, thing I'm gonna throw ups? out
1: there. Uh, you know Our our normal company discussion announcements, uh, nothing really new that we can talk about, obviously, because we just recorded the other episode and just told you that we couldn't talk about anything else <laughs> other than uh, Shriners Children's Hospital and our partnership with them until April 15th. We hope that this can be a success. Any skid or trailer build that is purchased between now and April 15th, uh, we will take from our profit uh, $288.00. And donate that to Shriners Children's Hospital to try to help and, and give back in the community and uh, try to see if we can help those good folks out there make these children's lives a little bit better.
0: Yeah, we um and we have done some uh some local uh local charity already this year. Yeah, um, where we've donated to you know a couple of the high schools <clears throat> uh, doing some uh you know uh, bingo and athletic programs and stuff like that. Um, then we've had a couple. Uh, guys that we work with that have went through some hard times that we've donated to as a company. So we have done a, a good bit already actually this fiscal year.
1: Well, and, and for those of you out there that are thinking of ways to give back to your community, money is not the only way. No, uh, There's other ways that uh, for the last two, three years, I've gone out in the yeah, spring and, ball. and donated time being an umpire for a little league softball, uh, that kind of thing. There's, there's all kinds of ways. Donate your time. Um, Find a local charity if you're trying to give back in your community. At anything, anything can help.
0: Yep. It just so just so happens some sometimes your sometimes your 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 time you don't have much of it. Right. So uh, sometimes sometimes right you know writing a check to help benefit is is just as effective.
1: I think I I think in, in the future we're going to train Tori how to umpire behind the plate and she can be the one to take some foul balls off her face a couple of times.
0: Nah, no thank you.
1: And uh I mean she's a good softball player. She already knows the rules. All she has to do is put the gear on, squat down behind home plate.
0: I like it. I guarantee you she'll take a lot more crap than you do though.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she will.
0: You gonna throw anybody out this year?
1: I hope not. I <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to. There's it's like the worst thing in the world you, you could be put in a position of doing, but I'm just not going to listen to you sit there and yell and cuss at your at, at your kids or somebody else's kids nope. or coach and act, and act a fool, and you're certainly not going to yell and cuss at me. No. Nah. All the coaches in this area pretty well know by this point to uh, that they, they have an opinion. They can question a call. Once. But they're going to do it respectfully, and that's it.
0: Yep. Once you make a decision, that's it. Hey, we're going to take our first break here. Um, we're going to come back and jump right into our, our maintenance discussion. All right, and we are back here. We're going to jump in our discussion today about um, maintenance. We're going to talk about preventive and uh, fixing you know, type of maintenance. What is your take on the maintenance discussion?
1: If you don't do it, you're begging for problems, number one. So you have preventative maintenance, which is you're trying to prevent your equipment from breaking. And then you have uh, regular maintenance of certain parts that need to be replaced, your check valves. Uh, so on your blend manifold, your check valves, every, uh, 16 to 18 months, I recommend changing out the check valves just to be on a safe side. Now they, some of them will last even longer than that, but change them out, keep them as a backup, take them apart, check them, make sure they're in good working order. And if they are throw them in on the truck as a backup, you'd
0: you'd be amazed how many people, and I'm sure you've had the same discussion. you'd, You'd be amazed how many people when I ask and say, what? what does maintenance mean? Cause we, we have this discussion all the time in the military, this type of discussion. And you would be amazed how many people think maintenance is the repair, the repair yeah. phase. When when you're fixing something because it's broke, you're well out of maintenance phase. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're the now in the repair.
1: Maintenance fa- phase is designed to alleviate cost of the repair phase. Yeah. Cause maintenance is always cheaper than repair.
0: Yep. Uh, just like, um, uh, uh, you know, the quote at the beginning, Ben Franklin, you know, one of the you know, earliest and, you know, inventors of, of the U.S., you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure because it always, always costs you double, if not more, to fix something than it is to prevent it from breaking in the first place.
1: Six dollars worth of oil is a whole lot cheaper than five hundred dollars worth of engine. Yeah. Seven hundred dollars um, worth of parts. So th- think about it like this. Our uh, single blend elite with six point eight gallon a minute pressure washing pump, gear driven. The pump alone is somewhere around five hundred dollars. If I'm if I'm recalling the number correctly, and I think it's actually a little bit more than that, but the, the pump and the gearbox combination some somewhere around eight hundred total for the two. So if you go out and get how many oil changes is that before you equal up to seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars worth of parts?
0: In a in a small engine and a small yeah. pump like that,
1: that those pumps take less than a quart. Yeah, I mean you're that,
0: talking three four years worth of oil changes.
1: I, I think more than that. Probably oil is what uh, about five dollars? Let's say generally five dollars for a quart of uh, SAE thirty non detergent oil, ten W thirty oil. You're looking at about five dollars for a quart, and uh, you've got every Every 50 hours. We we run our maintenance schedule every 50 hours. Some manufacturers say you can go 100. Some say you can go 150. We go every 50. And just do it that way. Yes, it's a lot of oil changes. But the last thing I need on a job site is to hear those bearings let loose in that engine.
0: Yeah, you, you were right on it. So 449 right now is the going price for SAE 30 yeah. for, for a quart. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people in the, not in the maintenance field or that are not mechanically inclined, don't realize that there's three phases to maintaining your equipment. Right. And the preventive maintenance phase, that is one, probably one of the most commonly skipped steps of people jumping into there because in this business, most people are just so excited to get into the season. You know, they just, they just want to get their stuff going. The lawn mowing industry too, you know, just jumping right on equipment and, and, Going right at it. Yeah, will the equipment work? Probably. You probably not have any problems. It's going work
1: till it breaks. It's gonna
0: work till it breaks. Taking that I mean, that's what you're doing right now. I mean, we've had a couple early washes.
1: Yeah, I just
0: I mean, you spent three whole days on, on just the skid just
1: mm-hmm. making
0: sure all of our you know, making sure all of our lines didn't have any cracks in them, making sure our manifolds were good, making sure, you know, the the pump wasn't seized up to make sure all the lines were clear, the Bearings remove, you know, all of the stuff that we need to be doing before you even cranked an engine over, yeah. Um, to see if we had any repairs to do.
1: O rings, O rings, um, gaskets, gaskets, valve seals. You got to you got to stay on top of this stuff because they. And it, if you're not, um, you know, mechanically inclined enough to do it, fine. Find a mechanic who is. Yeah. Because um, I can, I can
0: tell you, uh, in this in this industry, uh, Murphy goes along with you. Oh yeah. So if oh, it's going to yeah. break, it's going to break at the most inconvenient time. You're going to be in the middle of a job. You're going to be way far away from home. You're going to be, you know, backed up in a day. So it's, yeah. it's probably going to be a day you're already, you know, late to your second job, whatever. And something's going to break because you didn't spend, you know, thirty minutes at the beginning of the season, make sure your stuff was good.
1: Even better than that, go through an entire wash season and never, never put a little bit of grease in your super swivel.
0: Oh yeah. And then wonder why it locks, locks up at the end of the season. And then be
1: about halfway, you know, you're done, done your first job of the day. You're winding your hose up and all of a sudden snap. There goes a fitting because you don't realize, but the, the super swivel's locked up. It's no longer turning and you snap the fittings off. Now you've got a, a quick fix of just throwing a little bit of grease in the super swivel to, um, now you got to replace the super swivel and the fittings and you're down probably for the rest of the day, unless you have a spare swivel and fitting right there on the job. So, which actually you should, but most people don't, you're down for the day.
0: So that, I mean, that's our preventive, our prevention phase, mm-hmm. you, you know, and a lot of people don't realize, but actually, it's a four phase cycle. So you mm-hmm. should be doing preventive maintenance at the beginning and at the end of every season. Right. So I mean, if if you're if you're you know in one of the southern states and and you continually operate, okay, maybe you don't have a, a shutdown phase essentially. Right. But if you're going into a phase where you're not working for a couple months during the winter months, like we are here, you should be doing a preventive phase at the end of the year. That's right. You know, that's winterizing your tank. That's you know, checking all your gaskets. You know, checking your lines, all that stuff. Um, so you know if something happens when you go to start back up at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Um, so per, I think your preventive maintenance phase, also you're identifying possible problems that you could have later.
1: Yeah. By um, doing by doing a little bit of maintenance, you can see and and inspect things that normally you can't see or inspect while you're operating. Uh, it can make a huge world of difference. I know I've done, you know, when, when I opened up this year, we didn't have any of this issue because I wound up, I actually replaced most of the O-rings right before the winter break came along. But uh, the year before, when I was doing the inspection, as, as we were getting ready to put the skid back on the truck, I found three O-rings that were probably re- going to last me another four or five washes, but they were going to let go. How much more convenient is it to put an O-ring in it right now rather than being on a job site? And having SH run through your lines, yep. and an O ring pops, and now you've got SH all over everything. Yep. That you don't want SH on.
0: Uh, you're doing it in a controlled environment too. You're doing yeah. it at, at your shop or at your house. You know where you have access to tools. You have access to to you know clean up all that different type of stuff. Yeah. You're not on somebody else's property. You know, there's just a lot to be said about doing that stuff at home. But right. I'll, I'll give you a good example of of preventive maintenance that you had at the beginning of the year you know you went through and and qc'd our rig and make sure everything was good to go and sent me a message saying hey i don't, I don't think this this 12 volt pump is gonna is gonna last it, it hadn't died yet now you're like it it's it's having a weaker start and it's not getting as much distance out of it so instead of replacing it right away we are preparing for it to fail we just got another you know order another pump and put it in the truck that way we're prepared for when it goes but we very well could have been within our right to go ahead and replace that pump knowing it was it was on its way out
1: yeah it's gonna go it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and a lot of these parts are disposable okay so we are spraying a corrosive material you need to expect that a lot of your stuff is is going to be disposable parts Uh, some of your stuff should hold up You know, long term, like your polypropylene fittings, stainless steel uh, fittings and bolts, nuts, that kind of thing. But uh, other other items, your O-rings, your 12 volt pumps, even to a to an extent, uh, your pressure pumps, they only have so much life in them. So you need to you can extend that life massively by doing proper preventative maintenance. Think of a lot of these other smaller parts, especially your 12 volt pumps your manifold, uh, check valves, anything that's possibly could go wrong. You need to have an idea of it being a disposable part and be prepared to replace it.
0: So then we come out of the prevention phase and go into the maintenance phase. So your maintenance phase should be every day all year while you're, while you're using the rig, Mm -hmm. right? You should be doing maintenance on your rig every single day. And it could be something as simple as checking you know just doing a uh, you should be pre-flighting your equipment before you go out for the day anyway so that that's your daily preventive maintenance you
1: you need to check your engine oil levels your pump oil levels if you're using a gearbox you need to check that the level of the fluid in there your battery does your battery did your battery take good charge is your battery charger working yep there's maintenance doesn't necessarily mean physically repairing or or fixing or changing oils it's keeping an eye on things it's checking one things. It's, it's maintaining a schedule of ordinary everyday tasks make sure that your equipment is in the best order, like uh, working order that it can like, be uh,
0: after after a wash flushing out your pumps and your hoses that's maintenance that that's maintenance because you're,
1: you're if, if you're not flushing out your pump your downstream injector and your hoses you're wrong
0: yeah because they're going to fail
1: they're going to fail very quickly so part of your maintenance is should be part of your everyday sops
0: right maintaining your equipment i i know um you know, we've had a couple customers come to us where we have questioned their, their uh, maintenance keeping yeah. skills and priorities.
1: I, I've I've gotten pictures uh, of things and I'm like, I know that that's not been maintained. Mm-hmm. And it's easy, it's, to, it's it's easy to see. It's not them blaming us, you know, being being crystal clear on something and not them blaming us for a problem that they're having. Um, but they, you know, their 12 volts die faster than, you know, what they expected. And then you see a picture of the 12-volt, and it's got salt lines running down it because it's not being properly flushed. And it's got a buildup of sodium hypochlorite sitting in the pump overnight, yep. two or three days, a week, just sitting there. And that corrosive is corrosive. It's going to eat whatever it, want, it it can. And then you leave it sitting inside that pump, it's going to dry out your seals. It's going to do all yep. kinds of damage.
0: Yep. So I mean, same thing with your lines, um, not winterizing your, you know, not winterizing your rigs. Yeah. Just letting the, you know, letting liquid stay in your lines and stuff like that. You're just, you're asking for disaster. And in a business like ours, where um, you might have down months or something like that, you don't want to spend a whole lot of money doing repairs when, no. you're, when you don't need to, right?
1: <clears throat> no. Well, and this time of year, that the winterizing, you know, people think of winterizing as shutting down for the year, but This time of year, you're going to winterize probably five, six, seven, eight times. You know, we've we've gone through a stretch of really warm days and, you know, cold nights but not freezing nights. And then uh, we might get a 28, 29-degree day. And, you know, will it necessarily freeze if it's only 28 or 29 degrees for an hour or two? Probably not. But is it a good idea to to take a risk? No, because you're talking hundreds of dollars on parts – and repairs and downtime. If you don't, yeah, and downtime. If you don't just take a few minutes, uh, thirty minutes, and deal with deal what you got to do. Yeah, build it into your build it into your daily routine. To
0: take that extra time. I mean, and I mean, it's a kind of the same thing as um, you know we had with the safety our safety discussion. Yeah. Um, it, it should be it should be part of your daily routine. Yeah. So, you know, like you're taking care of your people, you're taking care of yourself. You need to be taking care of your equipment too, because right. I mean, you're talking high dollar equipment. You know, um, while most companies, the people are your main asset, the individuals, they're no good if you don't have, if your equipment's junk.
1: The people and the equipment go hand in hand. Yeah. Whether you're running a Ryobi. You're right in your left hand. Yeah. Whether whether you're washing houses with a Ryobi pressure washer from Home Depot and a downstream injector from Amazon, or you've got a blue line pressure washing rig in the back of your truck or a Southeast soft wash rig or a pressure washing systems rig or a soft wash systems rig. You know, you're you're talking a price of between eight eight hundred dollars for a decent pressure washer at Home Depot, maybe yep. four or five, uh, for you know a, a general. I just need one to get started to twenty, thirty, forty thousand. I've seen some pressure washing rigs out there selling for forty thousand dollars, and if you're not pre-flighting and maintaining that equipment, you've spent forty thousand dollars that is going to blow up in your face at some point because you failed to do your maintenance
0: and i can tell you right now if if you're one of my employees and one of my twenty thousand dollar pieces of equipment break because you didn't flush out a pump or you didn't do something simple like that i'm you're you're probably not going to be an employee very long
1: yeah and and i mean we we talk about this you know oh he he didn't flush out a pump that's not going to take out a forty thousand dollar piece of equipment so let's let's run a scenario here so pump didn't get flushed out and you come you bring the rig back for the day you go out to tomorrow's job and you've got a five thousand dollar job lined up you're doing the roof the house the pool deck the walkway the patio you got all kinds of stuff at this at this property and you go fire that soft wash pump up and you walk around the the back side of the house to start spraying and you don't realize that after you've walked away that gasket in that pump is given way and now you've got four Five percent mixture of sodium hypochlorite going all over your truck, all over your customer's property, all over your equipment. Anything that's not SH quote unquote proof on yep. that equipment, forget it. We're four four or five percent, six percent sodium hypochlorite. It doesn't need to be on there very long before it does its damage. Yep. So, yes, can it happen? Anyway, absolutely. But I are there- st-
0: stuff stuffs going to fail?
1: Are, are there ways to but, prevent it? Yeah. And that's, that's what that's, we're looking that's at. That's
0: one thing if you have somebody, uh, if you're on a job and, and you have an employer, even yourself, say, I, I don't know what happened. The uh, the pump just failed. And you know that they're following the checklist every day, flushing stuff out. Okay. I mean, it is what it is. It it happens. Yeah. But if you do that research and go back and figure out, hey, it failed because of A, B, and C, then you got a problem because it's right. easy stuff to remedy. But the risk versus reward of of skimping on some preventive maintenance or routine maintenance
1: as far as I'm trying concerned, to c- there is the no can. reward, yeah, I mean the reward is I saved eight dollars and seventy five cents today. I'm still spend that eight dollars seventy five cents on that maintenance down the road, and i'm very Tom's I'm making a some. I'm making a huge risk of I saved eight seventy five today on oil. And tomorrow, my engine locks up because the oil is so, so degraded inside of yeah. it that it, you might as well just have a gallon of water in there and call it a day or a quart of water in there and call it a day. So, you know, you, you don't necessarily really gain anything by kicking your maintenance down the road. You just set yourself up for failure later on down the road.
0: Yeah, and, well, and like you said, uh, go back to that job. Now you've got a five thousand dollar job on the table
1: that you're not doing
0: that you're not doing because your equipment's broke, you know what's to keep that customer from saying mm, I'm, I went out <clears> of <throat> this contract now mm-hmm. i need I needed it done today you know I, couldn't, with,
1: with a, without a doubt
0: so now you're now you're out that income plus you're fixing your rig because you know you didn't take an extra 20 minutes to you know, clean up your stuff the day before, the day before uh, that. Yeah.
1: And and I know, guys, you, you're probably listening to this going, man, they're just blowing that out of the water. Yeah, we are going doomsday with it because that's how you need to think as a business owner. What's the worst possible outcome if I don't do yep. something that I should be doing? And that should be enough to scare you into doing what you should be doing.
0: Yeah, if you set yourself up for the worst possible scenario, everything else that happens under that is manageable.
1: We can, we can live with it. Yeah. We can, we can work on that.
0: You you prepare for the worst, and everything else is is uh, you know, I will I, say this outright: if you're not sending your trucks and your equipment out with a tool set and some spare parts and stuff like that, you're you're doing something wrong you're, because you're not you're not you're not planning.
1: You're you're not preparing yourself to be able to. There, there's nothing worse than being at a job site and having to roll everything up, leave, fix something. Go back and hope everything it works again and hope to God that it works. Yeah.
0: Which kind of goes into our next portion of the segment is it, it should be one of the laws of nature. If stuff operates, it's eventually going to break. Yeah. I mean, every mechanic who's ever done anything understands that, that, that law of nature is it, it's just every, like every, if it, if it goes up, it has to come down. If it goes in, it has to come out. If, if it operates mechanically, it's, it's going to break at some every, point.
1: Everything has a shelf life. Technology has come so far since the invention of the internal combustion engine, um, since the discovery and harnessment of electricity. And there are so, you know, engines today last so much longer than, you know, the originals and even from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Uh, But they still have a shelf, they still have a life, a life cycle. Some... You know, some Take your average um, Honda Civic and say you can get uh, 200,000 miles out of this gas engine before that Honda Civic locks up. And then you've got one that's identical to it, maybe you only get 180,000. There's no, no guarantee of how long it will last, but when you get that Honda Civic that blows up after 80,000 miles that's identical to the other two, the key is who didn't get their maintenance done. Because yep. I'll bet you that one that only lasted 80000 either had, A, a manufactured defective part, or B, they're not doing their maintenance.
0: Well, and you I can guarantee you uh, these these major companies, these engine companies and stuff like that, um, I mean, heck, we can do it. Mm-hmm. But they've got people who know how to reverse engineer this stuff. So if you send these parts back and say, hey, this failed... They're going to take that thing completely apart, and they're going to look at everything compared to a new one, and they're going to find out why it failed. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be able to come back and say, "Well, it failed because it was not prop the, the internals weren't properly flushed out, or it was not properly lubricated, or the oil changes weren't done on a regular basis." I mean, um, absolutely. It's I mean we we've done it with parts. You know, we've had parts, uh, pumps, and stuff like that fail, and we wonder why they fail, and we just go to the workbench and start taking stuff apart that's and, how you learn inevitably we you know we'll find something's locked up a ball bearing or a fins broke or um you know the venturi pump in it has failed or
1: there, there's always always a method uh, and you may not know what you're looking at but they, there's engineers that are that designed and developed it they know exactly what they're looking at
0: because they, they know how to reverse engineer it from the spec because guess what they built it from the first component up yeah so they've got it well hey hold on to those thoughts um we gotta get back on Jen, make sure she's paying in bills. We'll be right back with you. All right, welcome back everybody. We're gonna jump back into our maintenance discussion. Uh Eddie, we were talking offline there a little bit ago. You got a uh a, a bit of a twist that you're gonna put on the maintenance discussion.
1: Uh well, maintenance doesn't necessarily always mean your equipment either. Maintenance can be your appearance, you maintain your appearance, you maintain your finances, maintain your business. That is a big one. If you want to be an owner-operator the rest of your life, that there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to grow your business, you have to, to do certain systems, that kind of thing. And they need to be always tweaked, look for ways to improve them, and maintain them, the ones that work. Uh, maintaining your marketing, all that kind of stuff. That all comes from maintenance within your your system of a business.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a point that I really hadn't thought about as far as the discussion is concerned. But <clears throat> I mean, look how much uh, effort that goes into just maintaining the bank sheets. Yeah, and, you know the the budgets and the balancing and um, you know, luckily, I mean we we don't we don't have a lot of uh, you know we don't have a lot of employees, so we're not you know maintenance you know maintaining schedules and stuff like that, but if you're a much bigger, you know, much bigger office, you're, you know, maintaining schedules, you're maintaining policies, you're maintaining operations manuals.
1: There, there's a lot that goes in. There's a lot to go into business, and if you are going into business thinking the only thing that you have to do is sling uh, bleach and water, and you don't have to do any maintenance on the actual business, you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh,
0: you're setting. I mean, you're setting yourself up to be stagnant at the level we're trying to get out of. Right, right. So if you're perfectly fine being an owner operator and uh, check to check season to season, that's where you're going to be. Right. Uh, but if you want to get to the point where um, you've got a cash flow excess and, and you're you want to separate the owner operator part of the business, you've got to you know step up the maintenance of your programs and and your business practices.
1: Yeah, and get help. You know, most of us are uh, we're we're not business savvy people. You know we're technical people. Uh, we're technicians, so get get help if you need it. Um, go out and read some books, learn how to do it, but if you're not putting maintenance, and we've, we've discussed this, maintenance doesn't necessarily mean turning wrenches, um, but if you're not doing anything to maintain your business and to keep it running smoothly, then you start running into all kinds of issues. If you're not maintaining a customer list, then you're letting thousands of dollars of potential future sales just slip right through the cracks.
0: So that's kind of a good segue into our, our uh, Blue Line product spotlight. Uh, you're talking about processes and business maintenance and and uh, stuff like that. So what do we got on, on deck today for the, the Blue Line product spotlight?
1: So the product spotlight that I'm going to give to you guys today is in line with the business maintenance side of it. Uh, A book that I recommend every business owner read is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Uh, Hopefully I didn't butcher his name. It's a budgeting system for your business that can also be applied to your personal life as well. Uh, But it's designed to help you get more out of your business finances, helping them go farther and making sure you as the owner are turning a profit.
0: You and I have both read this book. Yeah, oh, it, I, I've
1: read it like I think four times now. Yeah,
0: it, it's it's a really good it's a really good read. Like I said, I, you know, I'm I'm a wrench turner. Yeah. So
1: if, if you guys haven't figured out by the by this point yet, uh, I'm the idea guy. Justin is the uh, let's make sure Eddie doesn't get too carried away with his <laughs> ideas. Yeah. And, slow down.
0: Slow down. There we go.
1: And and the wrench turning idea. And I'm I'm actually taking advice that I was given and relinquishing some control of the back end part of the business that I've been handling since blue line pressure washing opened. And I'm kind of relinquishing some of that control over to Justin. But the the technical side is, is more me as far as business administration. But speaking to that point, Justin, about Profit First, when you read it, is that something that you as a wrench turner could easily implement into a business if you were to have Started, you know, if if you were the sole owner of Blue Line Press, oh, absolutely,
0: end- I, absolutely. Um, the way I, I would have, the way I initially thought of it was, you know, you've got to, in in order to make money, you've got to put more product out, right? Where where in some cases that's true. In some cases, volume is is better. You know, if if I'm selling, if I'm a company selling 12 volt pumps, there is you know, qual or is quantity right? right. I want I want to sell as many units as I can, right? In an industry like ours. Um, That's not necessarily quantity is not necessarily uh, the number one priority. So to me as an operator or, or as a technician, really the more stuff that you work on, not necessarily making you more money. Right. So what the book really kind of helped me wrap my head around was how to uh, really maximize your time and maximize the output that you're putting um, in the product. So it's, it's not really the quantity versus quality debate. Mm -hmm. But it's how to maximize your your non-monetary income for what your uh, effort you're outputting.
1: Right. And and a big thing is, you know, the the standard accounting is uh, sales minus operations cost equals profit. And this system pushes back against that. And the system works. It's been out there for years. I mean, well before i even thought about opening a business and it's worked for thousands and thousands of businesses uh i know it was recommended to me by another pro in the industry and uh i read the book and i thought seems good in theory let's put it to te- put it to a test and see if it works and yeah
0: we gave it a trial run Say so, hey let's 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 try this for yeah. a year and see um and it, it you know we almost if i'm not mistaken uh, we almost doubled um, doubled our 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 yearly goals. Yeah. The year we implemented the program. Yeah. Um, and then have only gotten better each year since.
1: Well, and to that point, I'll ask you: Has there been a quarter since we've implemented this system? Has there been a uh, a physical quarter where I've not cut you a check for a profit?
0: No, no. We we've, we've since we since we've put the uh, put this in place. Like I said, we've both. On the owner's end and on the business end, we've, we've exceeded our goals every, you know, just about every quarter, um, definitely every year. Absolutely. Um, and one, I think one of the biggest things that I took away from the book was how simple they made, how simple he made it breaking down your entire ledger. Like, like for example, the way I was looking at it before was, Hey, I have a unit to sell. I'm mm going to sell it for $500 Mm -hmm. and that's. And then, you know, whatever, whatever I I make the difference between the the product cost and the selling point was profit. Right. Right. Um, I didn't realize how simple that they made it to break everything down. Um, So now I look at it as this is one unit, but I'm looking at it. What, what does each nut cost us? What does each bolt cost us? What does, what does each, you know, tube of or uh, each row of tubing costs what this, so i'm looking at it now as a as a as a whole puzzle piece into one unit versus what we're making. How long has it taken us to you know I'm, I'm looking at much more than just a single dollar figure right um, going out the door that profit coming back in now means a whole different type of uh, right. there's a whole ty- different type of math that goes into it
1: and and one of the big keys one of the big takeaways also as a business owner is you need to give yourself. Uh, victories, because if you don't, you're you're just gonna get browbeaten and uh, you're gonna burn out. Take that profit, and if you got bills to pay, pay your bills. But take a couple bucks of that profit every quarter, whether it's twenty dollars or twenty thousand dollars. Take a couple bucks of it and get yourself something. Buy, take your wife out to dinner. Um, buy your wife a video game <laughs> to make her happy. Because everybody knows, happy wife, happy life. Uh, I'm only saying this now because my wife is at the other corner of the room. um, And she's expecting a video game tomorrow. But uh, do things to make you happy, to reward yourself. And that system is is very big on making sure you you reward yourself some way.
0: Something else I, I kind of already was keyed into from a lot of the leadership classes that I've taken... Um, both the military and and the government um, kind of hit on the same thing but but like you said, the small victories yeah. um, yes, you want to set a large you want to set a large goal uh, as a company you want to set a large goal for the year right. uh, for the fi- you, you know you you want to set a one year plan a five year plan and a ten year plan right okay um, but within those plans, you need to set small achievable goals right because if you only set large uh, cornerstone goals. Um, it, it may you may feel like it, you're you're underwater the entire time task. and you're never going to get there.
1: Yeah, it's it, you just keep looking at that large number and it's a daunting task to think there's no way. In January you set the number, everything feels good. By April May you're working your tail off. You're looking at the number you got. You're looking at that big number and you're thinking I I don't know. Set a monthly goal to go along yep. with that big number. Set. Don't, don't set yourself up to where you're, like you said, feeling like you're underwater and you're drowning
0: because, well, you said, I mean, mentally, I mean, psychologically you set yourself up for failure yeah. uh, because, uh, big stuff. I mean, in, uh, psychologists use this all the time, treating individuals with depression instead of setting, you know, unrealistic or, uh, unattainable cornerstone goals, set a daily goal. Yeah. You know, and it can be little stuff. It can be little stuff like I want to get three washes in a day under, you know, this amount of time. Yeah. Or like you do, like you tell me all the time, you race the clock all the time. You know, it's like, well, I've, you know, I beat my previous time for this for a 1500 square foot house or, yeah. you know, just little small goals. because
1: and, and not because I'm not because I'm rushing through the job, but because I'm. No, Learning ways to become more efficient. Yeah, that, that's um, my daily goal: is become more efficient today than I was yesterday.
0: And, and psychologically, if you're not looking at the large cornerstone goals, and you're you're focusing on the small attainable daily and weekly and monthly goals, mm-hmm. you'll you'll meet those cornerstone goals, and, and you won't even realize it.
1: Yeah, because you're not uh, paying
0: what, attention to it. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of the year, and you're like, "Holy smoke! I I, I blaze these cornerstone goals and." I didn't even realize I wasn't even paying attention to. I didn't even realize it.
1: Yeah, what like what we do is uh, at the beginning of the year, I set a goal for the company. I send it to Justin. We agree on the goal, and then I don't look at it the rest of the year. I won't look at it again until it's time to set the next year's goal, and then I'll pull that out and and look at that big cornerstone cornerstone goal. And if we made it, it's like holy crap! I I don't know how. Yeah. You know it, that's awesome. We made it, and if we missed the mark a little bit. Okay, now we know we need to tweak a few things. Yep. how much did we miss that mark by? let's Let's try round two.
0: Yeah, cause nothing nothing's more defeating. Well, and I'll go back to that. Uh, remind me here in a second. I'll go back to that. But one of the major things that they teach uh, in uh, leadership uh, is write it down. Mm-hmm. Write it down. If you're a business, don't just discuss about, it. don't just discuss it and have ideas floating around it. Put it in writing, put it in solid writing. Um, you know, give it to all the members of your company, what your goals, what your expectations are, because now you have something to hold you accountable to. Yeah. Um, and post it right up on, post it right up, you know, like we got the stuff up on the board, post your stuff up on the board. So you have to see it every day. Yeah. So that reminds you to to keep yourself accountable to, you know, it, it's a psychological trick. Absolutely. But if you see it every day and you legibly write it down, then it becomes real versus if you yeah. just talk about it, um, then it's just ideas. Yeah. But if you guys are interested, um, I highly recommend this book, Michael McCallowitz. Um, you could pick it up on Amazon um or any of your hard any of your bookseller places. I think it's fifteen or sixteen bucks for the book. It's going to make you double and triple that amount of money which you're going to spend on that book. Absolutely. So pick it up, um, give it a like. He's also got some other stuff out there um that's really good if you're interested. Um you can also check out his website, mikemakalowitz.com. Backslash profit first. Check out his website. He's got a bunch of different other business type tools and stuff uh, like the the toilet paper
1: um, entrepreneur is another book he has he's got a lot of books and every one of his books comes with tools yeah so to implement his systems if
0: you like it there's a bunch of different business books out there but i I think that kind of the the crux of our our spotlight here is find Mm -hmm. educate yourself find some resources stuff like that but this is a really good one to get into absolutely anyway we're gonna take our last break here when we come back Uh, We're going to dive into that mailbag. I told you guys uh, two episodes ago, um, we had to cut it a little bit short so we didn't get to some of the questions. So I got a couple questions from the mailbag for Eddie. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Be right back with you. All right, and we're back here. Hey, we're going to jump right into some questions from the mailbag. Again, I promised everybody we would get to these from from two episodes ago. So we got a couple in the mailbag here. Yeah, well, it happens. (laughs) Hey, well, hey, Ben asks you, do you have any advice on subbing out your jobs uh, if you're independent? So I'll give everybody a reminder. These questions actually came into the mailbox back when we had uh, Steven in the, in the house. And we were talking about independent contractors and subcontractors. Um, so it stems from that. But we'll get back to the question. So do you have any advice on subbing out your jobs if you're an independent contractor?
1: Uh, Listen to the podcast episode where Steven was our guest, and that's where the advice is. Um, (laughs) Not really. Uh, I did touch on that, and uh, Justin wants to say things that he's not allowed to say on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you want to make sure that you trust the company that you're subbing out because, at the end of the day, it's your business, your name that the customer is associating this work with. So, my biggest piece of advice that I can give you is properly and deeply vet the people that you were sending out in your place because they are whether whether they show up in their business truck with their business shirts on doesn't matter they're associated with your business at this point that customer is going to associate that experience with your company
0: that there you go ben finally had to drag <laughs> that one out of him jordan jordan asked you uh he's been trouble generating leads generating customers um you have any pointers or recommendations that you'd be willing to share when um, generating some leads
1: well i'm, I'm going to give you the same hard time that i gave ben and tell you to listen <laughs> to the seo episode um seo that that's a big one but um you're having trouble feet to the pavement knock on doors beware no soliciting signs you know don't don't go around solic- I know. That's probably a big turnoff for a lot of homeowners if, is if they have no soliciting sign and you still bang on their door. Um, door knocking, door flyers, go pass out flyers. Go to a, and, and don't go to your neighborhood and do it. go to an affluent neighborhood in your in your area. pass out flyers. Um, relatively cheap to print out 50 flyers from your your home printer. Uh, you know the more professional you can make it the better, but you, everybody has to start somewhere. Door knocking, uh, do some family and some friends. Get some good before and after pictures to put up on your website, on your Facebook, and get that that Google business listing up. Uh, that that's all going to help in the lead flow generation.
0: I'm going to throw you a knuckleball. That's not on. That's not on the work. Uh, that's not on the, the episode that's, sheet.
1: That's not nice. <laughs>
0: so, what do you think about targeted advertising? So uh, I love it. So do you're it. you're driving down the street. You're driving down the street and you see a dirty house. Do you you leave a flyer in the mailbox? Do you leave a card?
1: I'll do you one better. Have some postcards in your your vehicle. On the back of them, have a little line on there for a quote. And write, house wash. Do a on-the-spot quote right there. Write them down a number. Write an expiration date underneath of it. Put the card on the door. Knock on the door if you want to. Talk to the homeowner. But at the very least, write that quote out. Put it on the door.
0: Yeah, there you go, James. He's starting a business in his area, um, but he believes that his business, his area, is already oversaturated with uh, businesses just like his. What's some things he can do to stand out?
1: Uh, set yourself up for long, longevity. Don't try to price match with your with, with other local businesses. Um, market research—that's that, your big thing. Demographics, um, the psychographics. Of your area Uh, some something as simple and and I know this is hard to believe but I'm telling you it's it's true something as simple as your logo design not not necessarily being all flashy and too busy but triangle square circle they they all have an effect on your your instant um, first impression that's what I'm looking for triangle logos uh, from from the research that I've done, are not as effective. So you want to to build your brand different, uh, and not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be vastly different, but build your brand to stand out. Find out the the favorite color of the demographics in your area, and Google everything that you can possibly Google about your area. Try to learn as much as you can about it, and position yourself to be attractive to. The customer that you're trying to get
0: yeah that's uh that's that's really good there's a lot of back-end work to that it's not just going out and jumping into rig and going out yeah. and, and and beating the pavement i'll take that one more element further there's a there's a whole there's a book by james marsden that's out there um it's called the red effect yeah if you've ever heard of it so basically what he says in the book is people are naturally inclined, naturally inclined to psychologically be deterred or attracted to uh, certain stimuli. And he goes into the, the talks of colors and shapes and, and stuff like right. that. He, there's a whole study that Harvard University did, and they went, uh, like you were talking about earlier in the last podcast, was know your region, know your yeah. culture and your region. Yeah. Because there are certain regions in the U.S. that are completely different as far as what's aesthetically pleasing and what's more what's acceptable and what's um i'll give you an example that he used is some logo designs that are out on the west coast and like northern northern or, or uh, western california out there everything is flashy and you know high like mirrored and and mm-hmm. high colors neon that type of stuff i can tell you that's not going to work um that type of thing's not going to work in like you know northern oklahoma no. Or, or something like that so yeah know your know your demographic know where you're at do your do your background research
1: there, there is a lot more to business you you can jump in a truck all day long and spray water there's a lot more to business than the technical side you have got to be willing to put the time in on the back end to set yourself up for success there's uh you know the there's a lot of companies out there, one in particular that, that is in my mind. I'm not, I'm not going to throw them out there right now. I don't have their permission to do it, but they are consistently two, three, sometimes four hundred dollars more expensive than everybody else in the area. But they close their jobs because of the way they position themselves, the way they developed that brand recognition, and their, their tactics. They've done the, they've done the work on the back end to learn how to sell to the people that you want to sell to. And their, their close rate may only be, uh, 40 to to 60%. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, if you're closing jobs 80, 90%, you're not pricing enough. If you're closing jobs 20, 25%, you're too expensive. But if you position yourself and, and you're only, you say your closure rates 45% or 40%, but your average ticket is, is $860, and your competitor is closing at 60%, and his average ticket is $325 to $400. You're more profitable because you're doing less work or, or less jobs for more money. Yeah. So you, you have to position yourself. And starting out, that might be a little difficult to do. You can't be the the, the most expensive in the area when you start. Uh, now, as for us, we we were not. We were middle of the road. We were not the cheapest when we started. We were middle of the road. And and as we've gotten bigger and uh, gone deeper into business, as I've learned more about business, uh, we pricing structure, you know, kind of matches that. So at the end of the day, that the answer really to two out of the three questions is do your research in your area, learn how to appeal to the customer you want to appeal to.
0: Good. I, I like it. Yeah. That really kind of echoes really this year for us this off season. Yeah. You know, I, I know you, I can't really say much for myself other than kind of just reviewing what you've sent me, but I know for you that the, the amount of research that's went in since um, what November Yeah, uh, has been incredible compared to what we have been doing. So yeah, go all good questions, good answers. Um you got anything else uh before we close out this episode?
1: No, nah, I believe that uh that pretty much wraps up anything any thoughts that I have on the questions uh like Justin said, they were great questions and uh we do we do appreciate and enjoy the questions that we get uh, even even ones that are challenging uh we like to try to help as as best we can so and if we don't have an answer for you when you ask the question we we won't bring it up until we find you an answer. So don't hesitate to ask questions. Uh, we do appreciate the questions. And with that, I will just say don't forget to check us out on Facebook and YouTube at Blue Line Pressure Washing. Uh, if you have a question, you want us to answer it on the air, drop us a line at justin at LLC.com. Or you can leave us a voice message anytime at anchor.fm slash bluelinepwllc.
0: And next episode, we're finally going to get Evan in the house our part-time employee we're going to get his uh employee perspective uh we've been trying to drag him in here for a couple episodes now
1: and, and uh, the worst part is he's been all over me never invite me to the podcast Well yes we do we've invited him to the last four podcast recordings yeah. and it's oh i'm i'm hanging out here i'm hanging out there now he does not get paid for the podcast recording you know this is something he wants to do he wants to be a guest on it the boy has no per as far as work related, he's got great time management skills. But in his personal life, his time management is horrible.
0: <laughs> we're gonna uh he's he's in he's in for a beating.
1: Oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna take a beating. Yes.
0: It'll be a good episode. Uh but we're gonna have him in the house. Uh we're gonna get his perspective. Uh we got another blue line product spotlight for you. And then uh hopefully we're gonna give you some updates on the new watch season hopefully by the time the next episode comes out um Eddie's fully in the truck and we got wash season underway. Hopefully we avoid this deep freeze that's coming down from Canada in a week or two. Hopefully it stays west of the Appalachian and we don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping not to have to deal with that. And and I do have some I do have some company updates and some exciting things I want to talk to you guys about, but uh we're not there yet, not ready for the almost, reveal. Almost. And uh we'll, we'll get them in, in the next couple of episodes.
0: Until next time, stay clean, stay safe, and stay dry out there. Have a good week, and we're
1: out.